Welcome to the Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. This isn't some little boutique, like bearded Brooklyn bee farm. <laughs> we can grow huge amounts of crops in small areas, 10 to 30 tons of seaweed, 250,000 shellfish per acre. If you were to take a network of our farms totaling the size of Washington State, you could feed the world. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. We stand at the threshold of a historic opportunity in the human experiment to reimagine how to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. It's a revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. In this series, The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we celebrate social and scientific innovators with breakthrough solutions for restoring people and planet, creating a future environment of hope. Support for the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is provided in part by Organic Valley Family of Farms and by the generous support of listeners like you. Picture this Gary Larson cartoon. A crowded lifeboat, filled with dogs, is floating away from a sinking ship. The lead dog says to the pack, All right, all those in favor of eating all the food all at once, raise your paws. That's kind of the way we've been treating nature, and certainly the oceans. In 2006, a team of scientists from the world's leading oceanographic institutions made a stunning projection, the total collapse of wild seafood fisheries by 2050. Fortunately, brilliant innovators are inventing models of vertical ocean farming that are rising like a spiraling water column. What if there are ways to sustainably harvest protein and nutritious vegetables from the seas in ways that restore coastlines, communities, and local economies, and produces abundant food? What if these methods also sequester vast amounts of carbon dioxide to heal the climate? It's too good not to be true. In this half hour, we'll journey from the high seas to underwater gardens with the pathfinding ocean farmer Bren Smith. He's cultivated a breakthrough method of nearshore aquaculture called 3D ocean farming. It has the potential to transform our relationship with the ocean, make room again for the flourishing wild diversity of ocean animals, and launch a novel, delicious, and authentically sustainable cuisine along the way. This is 3D ocean farming, making a living on a living planet with Bren Smith and the Green Wave model. And this remarkable messenger is definitely not from Central Casting. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. My story is a story of ecological redemption. I was born and raised in Newfoundland, Canada, dropped out of high school when I was 14 and headed out to sea. I fished the Grand Banks, the Georges Banks, tuna, lobster, headed to the Bering Sea in the 80s and fished cod and crab. Bren Smith is the executive director of the nonprofit Green Wave, which has led the development of restorative 3D ocean farming. 
a lifelong commercial fisherman, he was called a visionary by the director of Harvard's Healthy and Sustainable Food Program and was awarded the Buckminster Fuller Prize for Ecological Design, along with numerous other major awards. Now, this was the height of industrialized fishing. We were tearing up entire ecosystems with our trawls, chasing fewer and fewer fish further and further out to sea. And most of the fish I was catching was going to McDonald's for their fish sandwich. And I go to McDonald's all the time because it's this romantic moment for me. <laughs> so I was a kid producing some of the worst, most destructive food on the planet for some of the lowest quality, unhealthy food on the planet. But God, I love that job. Right? The sense of humility of being in 30-foot seas. Right? The sense of solidarity of being in the belly of a boat with 13 other people, 20-hour shifts. And the sense of meaning of helping feed my country. Those are some of the best days of my life. And I've been on the water for 30 years, and I miss them so, so much. Then the cod stocks crashed back home in Newfoundland. And this was a real wake-up call. Thousands of fishermen thrown out of work, boats beached canneries emptied. And it is amazing that a culture and economy built up over a hundred years, how it can disappear in a matter of weeks in the face of ecological crisis. And that's where I began to learn that ecological crisis has nothing to do with the environment. It has to do with the economy, right? There will be no jobs on a dead planet. I started this search for sustainability, and I ended up and the aquaculture farms in northern Canada, because aquaculture was supposed to be the great answer to overfishing, job creation, and reduction of pressure on fish stocks. Instead, it was more of the same. We were polluting local waters, antibiotics, pesticides. We were growing neither fish nor food. These were Iowa pig farms at sea. So I kept searching, disillusioned, and I ended up in Long Island Sound. I chased a woman down there. And <laughs> They were opening up shell fishing grounds for the first time in 150 years to attract young fishers back into the industry. And I remade myself as an oysterman. I did that for a couple years, and then the storms hit. Hurricane Irene, Hurricane Sandy, barreling through, wiping out 90% of my crop. Most of my gear washed out to sea two years in a row. Suddenly, I found myself on the front lines of a climate crisis that arrived 100 years earlier than expected. So once again, facing ecological collapse, but it means I can't work on the water. The goal in my life, I'm not really, an, I'm not an environmentalist, I say this a lot. My goal is to work on the sea. My goal is to die on my boat one day. That's gonna be a measure of success. But we need to protect and save the oceans for me to die that way. <laughs> so, I uh, pick myself up and started uh, redesigning my farm. I lifted it off bottom so it was resilient to storm surges. Began using the entire water column and searching for new species to grow, species that were restorative. So after 15 years of experimentation with sustainability, I ended up as the first 3D ocean farmer growing a mix of seaweeds and shellfish to grow good local food, create jobs, and help fight the climate crisis. Head on out to Long Island Sound to visit Bren Smith's Thimble Island Oyster Farm, and what you see is next to nothing, a bunch of buoys bobbing around the shallow bay. Bren likes to say that a tour of the farm is the biggest ripoff in the tourist industry. There's nothing to see. Of course, that's exactly the idea. 
the visual footprint is minimal until you go below the surface where these 3D ocean farms embody the growing edge of marine polyculture. Lines descend from buoys to hurricane-proof anchors on the shallow sea floor. Follow these ropes from the surface down through the water column and you'll see vast gardens of kelp, which can grow up to a foot or more per day. Then come along copious scallops and mussels. Oyster cages rest on the sea floor. These particularly favored oysters are called Thimble Island salts. Clams are harvested from the mud at the bottom. It's a real-life octopus's garden, a thriving hideaway beneath the waves that also has the potential to transform our relationship to the land by relieving pressure on our stressed farmlands. Bren Smith. So our goal was to take on three major challenges. One was develop a delicious new seafood plate in this era of overfishing and food insecurity. And we reject aquaculture's obsession with monoculture. We grow for polyculture, a sea basket approach, two kinds of seaweeds, four kinds of shellfish, and we harvest salt as well. But we've barely broken the surface. There are 10,000 edible plants in the ocean, a couple hundred shellfish. I mean, imagine being a chef at this time and finding out there are arugulas, tomatoes, rices that you've never cooked with before, tasted, or seen. I mean, this is an exciting time to develop a culinary cuisine, and what we're going to do is reimagine the seafood plate, move bivalves and sea greens to the center, and wild fish uh, to the edges. And it's time to eat like fish, because fish don't make omega-3s and all these things we need. They eat them. So by eating like fish, we get the benefits while reducing pressure on fish stocks. This isn't some little boutique, like bearded Brooklyn bee farm. <laughs> we can grow huge amounts of crops in small areas, 10 to 30 tons of seaweed, 250,000 shellfish per acre. If you were to take a network of our farms totaling the size of Washington State, you could feed the world. And, and this is zero input food. It requires no fresh water, no fertilizer, no feed, no land, making it hands down the most sustainable form of food production on the planet. And in the era of climate change, as water prices go up, feed, fertilizer prices go up, our food is going to be the most affordable food on the planet to grow and the most affordable food on the planet to eat. Right? We are going to be eating sea greens. Climate change is going to force us to eat zero-input foods. The question is, is it going to be delicious, or is it going to be like being force-fed cod liver oil? And that's where the chefs come in. I mean, I grow disgusting stuff. I would, I'd never eat seaweed, right? <laughs> but if, if chefs can't make what we can grow delicious, they should quit their jobs. <laughs> Developing this climate cuisine is what they're here on Earth to do. Bren Smith is developing partnerships with some of the leading chefs from around the world to disrupt our conventional understanding of how we eat from the sea. These master chefs are de-sushifying seafood and expanding culinary horizons. Until very recently, U.S. chefs had no way to obtain local sea vegetables, short of wading into the intertidal zone themselves. As the supply became available, the market Bren Smith expected would take two decades to mature caught the wave much sooner. 
His farms are already profitable, and the mind-blowing acceleration of 3D ocean farming is poised to bring it to scale way ahead of expectations. And not only is a sea greens seafood palate outrageously tasty, the process of growing the ingredients leapfrogs from sustainability into a dramatic paradigm of regeneration and restoration of sea life. The second goal of the farm is to transform fishers into restorative ocean farmers. Because Mother Nature created these two technologies millions of years ago designed to mitigate our harm, shellfish and seaweeds. Oysters are these incredible agents of sustainability that filter out 50 gallons of water a day, pulling nitrogen out of our water column, which is the root cause of dead zones spreading through the globe. Our kelp soaks up five times more carbon than land-based plants. It's called the sequoia of the sea. We can turn it into zero-input biofuel, 2,000 gallons per acre of ethanol. If you take an area the size of Maine, you could replace all the oil in the United States, according to the Department of Energy. The New Yorker recently called it the culinary equivalent of the electric car. <laughs> Writers still have their use. So our farms also function as storm surge protectors. Now that our coral reefs, our oyster reefs are gone, our farms replace them. And they're artificial reefs, attracting over 150 species that come hide and thrive. My farm used to be a barren patch of ocean, and now it's a thriving ecosystem. Smart ecology can also yield smart economics. Call it economics. So what might a democratized 3D ocean farming food economy look like? And could this new approach inspire fishermen to write sea shanties about it? More from Bren Smith when we return. This is 3D Ocean Farming, making a living on a living planet. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. To see and hear more from Bren Smith and to explore all available Bioneers radio shows, podcasts, and video programming, please visit Bioneers.org. As ocean fisheries collapse and climate change brings one destabilizing disruption after another, a large economy is at stake, along with our food supply. U.S. fisheries generate over $200 billion in sales annually and provide an estimated 1.8 million jobs across all sectors. The ecological devastation of what amounts to underwater clear cuts has left countless fisher folk high and dry. Bren Smith knows that reimagining our relationship to the seas clears the decks to reimagine how we design our economy, too. The last piece is building the foundation of a new economy that puts jobs, justice, and restoration at the center of the plate. I'm not an environmentalist. 
right? I kill things for a living. You give me a gun, I'll shoot moose out of my kitchen window. <laughs> and I wouldn't be doing this unless I created jobs for the 40% of people that are unemployed in my community, unless it created opportunity for the millions of people that were left behind as we built the polluting industrial economy. That's why I'm here. So we, we built GreenWave, which is a hybrid nonprofit for-profit, to begin building this industry from the bottom up. So we work to replicate and scale, we build the infrastructure necessary, and we uh, develop new markets. Now, first thing we did was open source our model. We don't franchise. That's a tool of the old economy. The new economy, we make things accessible to everybody. So anybody with 20 acres and a boat and $30,000 can start their farm and be up and growing the first year. The, the key to replication is designing around simplicity, not complexity. Our farms require minimal capital costs, minimal skill requirements, and they're profitable because we don't have to feed and weed these things. We're able to net up to $200,000, $300,000 per farm and employ up to 10 people. And that's just on the farm. That doesn't count the processing centers. All that and no weeding? Definitely too good not to be true. Inevitably, there are very real challenges to taking the 3D ocean farming model to scale. One conundrum is how to strike a balance between public and private. After all, the ocean is part of the global commons, and private projects need to take into consideration how each community is managing its coastline and how to protect the commons and the wild. Then there are wildly different rules and regulations each enterprise faces in any given place, not to mention the uniqueness of each local ecology. Bren Smith spoke with us at a Bioneers conference. So I think a challenge for us is in every area, every ecosystem, we're going to have to be growing different things and we're going to have different kinds of policy discussions, stakeholder discussions, and different entry points. And we've had a lot of luck in New England because there's just so much political support for reviving the fishing industry. So we're permitting really, really fast. I don't think that that speed's going to happen everywhere. We're having to write legislation state to state. It's illegal to grow seaweed in New York State. Right? It's going to be legal to grow dope before it is seaweed right, in, in the state. So that's a real challenge. Here in California, it's going to be an extremely slow process because of the Coastal Commission and the politics and things like that. You know, one of our projects is to do underwater community gardens. So let's not commercialize this space. Let's go in create some small one-acre farms here in California, bring the community down, reintroduce this idea of growing food in the, in the ocean, and then have a discussion about what we want it to look like. One of the things we've been struggling with is where in this ecosystem is for-profit and non-profit. And my view is you don't extract profit from the farmers. So if you're an investor, the farmers don't need that much money to start their farms, so we actually give them grants as part of our farmer training program. You don't extract profits from the hatcheries because of the lessons learned from uh, land-based ag. Where you do is in the places that are extremely capital-intensive and that will be really effective at building and creating new markets, so in the processing hubs. And so this is our chance to really create an ocean agricultural system where we could create the kind of jobs that lift communities out of poverty, that help feed the planet, that do all these things that are so desperately needed in the era of climate change.
the big wheels of creative destruction are turning. And the only question is how, not whether, everything's going to change. The old extractive paradigm, let's eat all the food all at once, is reaching its limits. Industry after industry is called upon to reinvent itself or perish. Fishing culture has a long and storied history that dies hard, just like mining and logging and other extractive industries that are crashing up against immutable natural limits. Bren Smith's personal story of redemption illuminates an inspired path forward past the pain and heartbreak of a shifting lifestyle and way of doing business to a new way of making a living on a living planet. Everything we were doing was just about sort of preparing, like sowing the seeds of ecological collapse. And it's almost in retrospect that you realize the decline. And it's amazing how an ecological collapse can wipe out a community and economy overnight. Right? This fishing community had been built up in the culture for literally hundreds of years. And then overnight, thousands of boats beached, you know, canneries emptied, fish plants you know, shuttered. That was the beginning of me realizing that a lot of these environmental issues are actually economic issues. There was a transition sort of psychologically or let's say physiologically for me becoming an ocean farmer. But what I realized was that it retained enough of what it is to be sort of a fisherman. So we can't hunt wild fish anymore. But what we can do is own our own boats, uh, not have bosses, succeed and fail on our own terms, and still have that sense of meaning of helping feed the country. So we get to keep those core pieces of our identity. What I say are jobs we can still sing songs about, jobs that get you up in the morning that fill your soul. And that's what we've retained in the ocean farming sector. If the booming interest in the green wave model is any indication, the world is about to resonate with an entirely new playlist of ocean songs to rock the soul. Bren Smith and his small team can barely keep up with the demand for 3D underwater farms. But for Bren Smith, going to scale is all about spawning a different model of economic democracy. It's anchored in values of jobs, equity, and ecological regeneration. And he's hardcore. And we have requests flooding in. We have requests to start farms in every coastal state in North America and 40 countries around the world. We have the largest hatchery network in the U.S. and we're building seafood hubs so farmers can capture more of that value chain. And our land-based infrastructure, it's designed to be an engine of food justice, a place where we embed good jobs, food access into the DNA of the new ocean economy. In practice, this means placing our seafood hubs in communities that need it most. Our first one was one in the poorest neighborhoods on the East Coast. Our starting wages are minimum $15 an hour, and it's open employment. So don't you dare bring your resume. I don't care if you're a former felon or undocumented worker. We're going to figure out a way to work together. But this isn't just about jobs. This isn't about working in our processing factories. 
This is about agency. One of the major deficits in our society today is the feeling that you can make a difference, that you have to be an Amazon, you have to be a Google in order to tackle the big problems. You don't. Our goal is to make sure the folks left behind from the old economy own their own farms, that they don't have bosses, that they have self-directed lives. Giving people agency over their lives is a core value of this new ocean economy. So if you put this together, everybody asks me, what does scale look like? And it's not 1,000-acre banana plantations. It's networks of 25 to 50 farms in a local region, a seafood hub, a hatchery on land, a ring of big institutional buyers, hospitals, colleges, companies like Google, and then a ring of entrepreneurs developing value-added products and doing the innovation. Then we take those green wave reefs and we replicate them every 200 miles. You see a Home Depot, we're going to have a green wave reef right on top of it. Offshore, we want to embed our farms in wind farms. Why just harvest wind? We have that structure to let's do food, fuel, fertilizer in those same uh, spaces. <laughs> our oceans are huge places. There's a lot of room to play as long as we do it the right way. This is the new face of environmentalism. It's not just conservation and stopping pipelines. We have to do that. That is great stuff. But it's also about building alternatives, alternative visions. It's about fighting climate change by creating jobs, giving people meaning and agency. Wouldn't that be a beautiful environmental movement if we were pushing for that? <laughs> building an economy of food and work where fishermen like me are proud to write songs about it. We can create something so beautiful, so powerful and restorative out at sea. Right? And we can eat together, we can work together, and just figure out how to make a living on a living planet. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it. Bren Smith, riding a green wave, rocking the boat, writing songs of this epic voyage with a new ocean view. 3D ocean farming, making a living on a living planet. see and hear more from Bren Smith and explore more Bioneers radio programs, podcasts, and videos online at Bioneers.org. For information on attending the National Bioneers Conference and Bioneers events in your area, please visit Bioneers.org or call 1-877-BIONEER. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Kenny Ausubel and Teo Grossman. Senior producer and station relations, Stephanie Welch. Producer, Teo Grossman. Host and consulting producer, Neil Harvey. Program engineer, Emily Harris. Our theme music is co-written by the Baca Forest People of Cameroon and Baca Beyond from the album East to West. All royalties from Baca compositions and performances go to the Baca Forest People through the charity Global Music Exchange. Find out more at globalmusicexchange.org. Additional music was made available by Growing Bin Records at growingbinrecords.com and by Dreadful Sea Shanties at dreadfulseashanties.bandcamp.com.
www.bioneers.com. For more music information, please visit Bioneers.org. The opinions expressed on the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 0617. This program was made possible in part by Organic Valley's pasture-raised organic dairy products, bringing the good from our family farmers to your table at organicvalley.coop, and by the generous support of listeners like you.